More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bold, reverent, and occasionally random. The Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck podcast starts now. I am an optimist. You know, Buck, today is National Bikini Day. Um, and uh, I would imagine that there are probably a decent number of our listeners still on vacation. It would not stun me if we are being listened to all over the United States and some places around the world by people that are out on the beach today uh, as they're uh, you know sort of sampling what's going on, checking to see what we're talking about. God bless. So are bikinis. you are you claiming that there are ladies in bikinis listening to the Clay and Buck show right now? I would think that the answer is yes, although I bet there's more men slightly overweight in bathing suits listening to the Clay and Buck Buck show right now than there are women in bikinis. But I will say this. I spend a lot of time, not this year as much, but uh, you're in Miami. I bet you see people in bathing suits all the time. The bikini keeps getting smaller. Have you noticed this? Like Back in the day, it was... Like, almost no one had a bathing suit where you could see the whole butt, right? That used to be really rare. Every girl wears... I don't even know how women get in these bathing suits. Every girl basically wears bathing suits. And I say girl, I'm saying like 16 to like 45 now. There's not a lot of difference in women's bathing suits. Uh, There used to be like a mom bathing suit and then there was like a teenage girl bathing suit. You know, there's not a lot of difference anymore, Buck. Yeah, there was like the like the the dark blue one piece. You know, that was kind of like the mom. Yes, the the standard mom. You know, you go with the dark blue one piece that you're like, yeah, it's a bathing suit. There's that. I know there's a lot of men out there who know what I'm talking. I can't tell now. Is that like somebody's mom? Is that somebody's older sister? Is that like a sorority? Like the, the age range, there's almost no difference in the way people dress. So so I need to understand something, Clay, and I, I think the audience deserves the truth on this one. Do you own either European cut or full-scale Speedo oh, bathing no. suits? No. I have never worn any, to my knowledge, 
I've never worn any bathing suit other than a, you know, like knee-length bathing suit. I will tell you this, Buck. When I started dating my wife, uh, we were out with her dad. And he has a boat. He lives in Michigan. We were out on uh, one of the lakes. And he said, hey, can you take the wheel for a sec? I said, sure. I go to take the wheel. He drops his shorts full-on Speedo. Like, my wife's dad... First time I ever met him, really, just says, hey, take the wheel. My wife, I said, hey, you should have given me some notice that your dad was a Speedo guy because I had never seen anybody that I was with ever be in a Speedo before. And I guarantee you my jaw dropped because I'm sitting there trying to monitor the, the, the boat. And later I was like, your dad wears Speedos? And you didn't think, hey, maybe I should tell my boyfriend given that he's going to meet my dad for one of the first times ever, that he's going to be in a Speedo out on the boat? No warning in advance. Would you have expected to get a warning in advance if your future father-in-law was going to be going Speedo on the boat? I mean, is he European? No, no. He's, he's born and raised. <laughs> no, is, he, yes. is he from he uh, is not, he uh, is the not south Italian. of France? He is he a guy who... Uh, on, uh, on uh, the Mediterranean? No, no, no. This I is, think uh, the rule he, is if you're wearing a Speedo, it doesn't matter how small, how tight, or how inappropriate it is. If your name is Jean-Paul and uh, you have a big uh, galoise and you have a big uh, chest hair, you know, then you're good. Then you're allowed to wear the Speedo. But if you're Clay or Buck... It's board shorts, pretty much. Board shorts. Well, Speedo are... would be funny for humor purposes, like especially like an American flag Speedo. Um, I don't think that I'm going to go that look anytime soon. Uh, but I, I, I felt as if I deserved the warning that, hey, my fa- your future father-in-law, big Speedo guy, just be aware so that I didn't just look shocked when suddenly, next thing you know, he's rocking the banana. I mean, I, I will tell you, I did get taken to a nude beach once. Oh, and that's I, a big revelation with 40 I, seconds left in the hour. I did not. I did not go nude. I was like, I, I can't. I can't. I'm not into this. Is it that was like acceptable? an optional. Can you go to the nude beach and and stay clothed? There really wasn't very many people on the beach, so I felt like it didn't really matter. But I did end up on a beach that was technically considered to be a nude beach because it's a private beach. This was in the continental United States. Were they okay? Were they people that you would want to see naked, naked on the beach? Nope. Yeah, that's, that's that's the big issue with the nude beach. It's never the people you would like yeah. to see naked. That I'll tell you this: there are lots of topless sunbathers where you live in Miami, and they're oftentimes very good-looking women. I noticed that. I you know I have not. I plead the uh, fifth on seen, all these things. Plead the yeah, fifth. I have never seen uh, the nude beach that has anybody attractive on it naked. Sundays with Clay and Buck. Now, we, we were talking before we went off to the Independence Day weekend about uh, movies that we think are great Independence Day weekend movies. Jaws is arguably in the in the pantheon of the greatest Fourth of July weekend movies of all time. Did you see, though, that four swimmers have been bit by sharks in Long Island over this weekend? That's a lot. I saw it this morning. That seems That's like a, a lot. lot. You know, I'm start. I know I'm starting to sound pretty wimpy over here. A lot of you probably swim in the ocean all the time, no problem. But four swimmers, man, that's now. I don't think any of them were. You know, they they didn't have. Um, I I don't believe any of the injuries were severe. 
But can you imagine? You think you're having Long, Long Islanders. I spent a lot of time in Long Island, a lot of time over many, many, many years. Long Islanders do not worry about shark attacks as a general rule. They just think that that's a thing that, you know, Floridians and Californians have to think about. Apparently not, you know. Apparently, uh, you got to think about this one. They believe one of these was off of Quag, uh, which is a very, very nice beach community there. And they, they don't know. They think it might be, um, am, I, am I nerding out on sharks here too much? Is this going too far? They think it might be like a sand shark of some kind. Like not a, not, they, they might be murky water and mistaken identity kind of stuff because it's not really deeply predatory behavior. It's more like, oh, I thought you were a fish behavior, but still. Getting bitten by a shark on your holiday weekend, it's not not fun, not good stuff. It's tough. Yeah, I was on with Kaylee McEnany right before me. They were doing a report on these shark attacks, and they evidently, Buck, had one period where they shut down one of these New York beaches because they had 50 sand sharks that they could see with the helicopter that they're flying over. I did something uh, over July 4th weekend. I took the kids to go see the new uh, Indiana Jones movie, and, Uh-oh. How uh, was I, it? I, I did not think it was awful, okay? Oh, my I gosh. Rank, I was curious what your rankings would be, okay, because there have now been five Indiana Jones movies. I rank as the best ever, and I understand this is going to be controversial for some people out there. This is as an adult, not as a kid, right? So I've watched all these movies again as a dad with my boys. I would rank number one, the best in my opinion, Last Crusade. I would say Raiders is t- is two, Temple of Doom is three. As a kid, I thought Temple of Doom was by far the best. I've now got it three. I would put this new one at four, and then Dial of Destiny, I think is what it's called, and then the fifth, Kingdom of the Skulls, or whatever it was, which came out like 15 years ago. I, now, that's my now top you're, five. Now you're raising the ante here, because I now might have to go see this, because I read a couple of reviews of it that said that it was absolutely horrible, but you seem to tell me that it's not horrible the conservative leading reviewers yeah. saying that they they hated you did not hate my it. boys so my is... boys liked it i didn't i understand my standard for wokeness may be more expansive now meaning that uh i have it has to be so over the top woke for me to like really be upset about it so i didn't think there was that much of a political it, agenda associated with this movie temple of doom is chronologically the first in Correct. the series, right? Which throws a lot of people off. Yes. That was a real, like, what's that all about, right? Temple of Doom was chronologically the first. If you're talking about the best movie in the series, um, I, I don't want to be like, you know, oh, yeah, I agree, but I do think it's... Ah. Look, the first and the third are both amazing movies. Raiders of the Lost Ark, for what it is, is phenomenal. and and uh, But I think The Last Crusade is probably my favorite, because I love the Crusade stuff. That gets me yeah, really and, fired and up. I love Connery Crusader is history. So good. I just feel Buck like Last Crusade is almost a perfectly made movie. It's it's for all ages. It's really wittily written. It is so entertaining. So I would put it one, and then Raiders two. But as a kid, because Temple of Doom came out when I was like five years yeah. old, and so it was my first movie. I remember going to see in the theater and thinking. Oh my goodness! I didn't know that movies like this existed. So that Carrie was had perfect. A, Carrie had a girls' night. You know, she went out to dinner with my uh, sister-in-law and 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 some uh, and some of her family, some of her uh, you know female uh, cousins. So I was home solo. So the brother uh, brother came over, one of my brothers. So we had a man, you know, movie night, action movie night. Obviously, we tried Extraction Two. Do you are familiar with these movies? I watched Extraction One. I mean, Extraction Two is. 
A lot of people get shot. I'll tell you that. <laughs> a lot of people get shot. A lot of people get stabbed in the face. Um, yeah, it's an action movie. I don't know. Not a lot Did of plot. Extraction one spoiler alert end with you thinking that the lead might be dead and yep. now he's back. Is that correct? I haven't seen Extraction two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's you know he's fine. You got a montage the fifty yes. bullet holes and the drowning. No big deal. He's back. He's more jacked than ever. Extraction two. More than a movie is back with season two of the award winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to more than a movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sunday Sizzle with Clay and Buck. We're joined now. It's a great movie that's out. It's having a tremendous amount of success. Some of you may have already seen it. If not, you may have well heard about it. If you have not, you're going to hear this discussion about it here. Jim Caviezel, who was the star in Passion of the Christ. He is also a star in Sound of Freedom. 
Um, and Jim, we appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us. I know you were on with Rush years ago uh, when The Passion of the Christ came out, and many of our listeners may well remember hearing you 20-some-odd years ago uh, with Rush as you discussed the success of, of that movie. And now you're back with us again. you got another movie that's dominating. Tell us what it's about, why you think it's having success, and why you'd encourage people listening to go check it out. I play a man named Tim Ballard, uh, former Homeland Security uh, man that goes down to the border of Calexico, California, and takes down one of the worst pedophiles, traffickers they've ever seen. He rescues this little boy. The little boy says, will you find my sister? And he essentially shells everything to go and look for this little girl. Jim, it's Buck. Thanks so much for, for being with us. Um this this movie, I mean, we see this where something that has um, a theme, a, a traditional theme of just good versus, in this case, pure evil, does so well at the box office. And there are all these reviews and people writing about it saying, oh, well, this is a surprise or th- that this kind of independent film. Why do you think this is resonating so much with people? Uh, it has a lot to do with. In a nutshell, with our, our, our republic that's collapsing right now, if we can hurt little children and let them die and be slaughtered. Um, and, um, I mean, there's plenty of facts here, too. And, they, 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 you know, these media that claim fact checkers, who the public is waking up. They're now asking, who are your fact checkers? Because I love for them to cross-examine with Tim Ballard and many of these agents. They don't know what they're talking about, and they won't even go to the border. And when you look at a country that doesn't have a south border, are we a country? We're celebrating the 4th of July. We don't have a south border. We are not a sovereign nation. What is going on? And that's what the American public is looking at. And the facts are there. They have done plenty, plenty stuff, research. But you never see these people that read from their papers they're probably getting from the Pentagon to actually go down there and do their own research like people like Laura Logan that actually go into war zones. Jim, what do you attribute the overall success of this movie? Because I know you're probably like Buck and and myself, an old school movie buff, and you remember when Indiana Jones was out in the Temple of Doom and Raiders of the Lost Ark and everything else. Your movie is going head-to-head now and winning in many markets against the fifth Indiana Jones movie with all of the marketing power, all of the dollars that Disney can pour into a franchise of that magnitude. What does the success of your movie say about the desperate demand for stories such as these to be told? You know, last year they did a movie on the Top Gun and Tom Cruise didn't go into all of the uh, BS that they wanted to make his film. Uh, and, and taken away from the, the original Top Gun. People went there, and they watched. They had an experience. They, they loved the flight aerials and stuff. They loved that it, it was American, and they loved their country. And we have, a, we're, we have a republic, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And, and so we have gone so far left and had people shove their – you know, LGBTQ flag up into our face. We've millions of Christians that are saying, this is sick. This is not what what we want. So I made a movie 
that's the truth about what's going on. It's current. You know, if if they had made Schindler's List during the time of when it was happening, think about that. It would have been, what what that had had would have been. It would have saved millions of lives. And so, this is poking right at the the dragon, the all the three letter agencies, all of them, because you can't tell me that 85,000 children can come across the border and disappear. Like Ms. Rodas's April 26th testimony told us, that 85,000 children have vanished. And then you have all these articles coming out and ripping the film. Why? What, 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 what's wrong with being an anti-trafficking film and an anti-pedo film? But brother, look at the laws that they're trying to pass now. And so Americans are fed up. They're, they're sick and tired of you taking our beer. It's not our beer anymore. We're not drinking Buddy Light. We're not going to Target anymore. And we're not going to Pedo uh, Land anymore. And, and, and all of these other conglomerates that want to get involved in this, Americans have drawn, drawn the line. And the line is our children. And you can't F with our children. I'm trying to be polite here. But you cannot mess with our children because God's children are not for sale. And Americans still appreciate one nation under God. You know, you know Jim, I know you, you're playing in this film, The Sound of Freedom, which we recommend everybody see uh, out there. And it's doing very well, which is which is encouraging on a, on a number of levels that a film like this would have the reception that it has had. You play uh, Tim Ballard or your character, uh, Jim, is based on Tim Ballard. I'm sure you've had lots of conversations with him about what could we begin to do here to confront the scale of this problem? I mean, as I said in the beginning, I don't know if there's anything that could be considered a more absolute evil than the trafficking of children. And you're you're putting numbers out there. You're raising awareness about this with the movie. What would be some of the steps? I mean, a lot of people out there are thinking, how do we start to... I know it's a massive problem. It's a global problem. But what does it look like to try to begin to fight back against this effectively and save these kids? Well, right now, there's a message that I give at the end of the film. It's a, it's a, um, it's a powerful message. But right now, what's happening is, is that when we first went to sell this film, we had to go through social media. Nobody would listen to us. And we were a voice in the desert crying out. And, and eventually, the public started coming. And now they're starting to come. I mean, this is just starting. And what they're doing is they ha- Angel has this. They're the ones that promote the film. And Angel has this pay-it-forward program. Uh, curiously enough, a film I did. But it's a pay-it-forward program that helped people that are economically stuck right now to see this film. And they go to the movie. They get free tickets. And so the word is spreading because people are able to see the film because a lot of people under this crazy administration they can't afford it so they've made it affordable nobody's ever done this before angel did this the Harmon brothers and so the the first thing is getting people to see it so that individual can't afford a ticket he buys it maybe he goes in and he has 10 tickets that he uh you know for his friends and him and they go and watch it and then they go tell 10 20 30 people and that's what's happening now we had gone to congress and asked them hey we got to get this stuff going on with the border here. And they kind of hemmed and hawed. I thought they were going to do something. They didn't. You know what? Nothing is going to happen 
unless the people unite and say enough. And our, this is by the people, for the people. This is not a government. We, they, government doesn't run us, and that's what they've been doing. And now we're all pulling together right now. We're all dangerous to them. But we know we're a republic. We know we're not a democracy. We know we are a republic. Because you can't vote somebody's inalienable rights away under a republic. Life comes before liberty. Life comes before happiness. Because without you, your life, you have no liberty. You have no happiness. And, and so by the people, for the people is happening right now. And it, we're going to constitutional full across the board. And we're going to become a sovereign nation again very soon. And we're uniting around this because you can't, because again, my character says over and over again, God's children are not for sale. And when God tells you to do something, you don't hesitate. That's the American way. Jim, you're obviously very passionate. That's fueled so much of your success as an actor. We're talking to Jim Caviezel. I know there's a talk, and I'm curious what the update is on this. A lot of our listeners watched The Passion of the Christ, the movie that you starred in, that Mel Gibson produced. I know that there's talk of The Passion of the Christ or Resurrection, and so I got a couple of things here. What can you tell us about that movie? And when you make a movie like Sound of Freedom, how much uh, of the Hollywood audience actually does respond to the movie like this, even if they don't do do so publicly. In other words, how much of an underground is there in Hollywood where people who work on the movies, both actors, but, you know, behind-the-scenes people, actually are big proponents of their faith and supportive of what's going on? Well, they're there. They're underground. And they're there in the agencies as well. They're good, good, good Americans are fighting. But the guys that are in charge are the ones that are destroying our republic. We did The Passion of the Christ 20 years ago, uh, came out in 2004. We filmed it in 2002. And I got to go through a huge experience on that movie. When I t- The moment I took that movie, I was told by many not to do this film. And I said, why? It's in the Gospels. It's in the Bible. Um, you know, we put our hand on the Bible, and when we uh, swear, in, you know, you go into a court hearing, you put your hand on the Bible. Um, and this version of it is the one we did right from that. And I was incredibly attacked by the media. So that was before um, fake news. Okay, when Trump came in and started talking about fake news, nobody knew it was fake news. Now we all know it's fake news. And they're struggling with the narrative. And the narrative back then was to take away our foundation of one nation under God. That That's what they chipped away at. And when we came in with that film, you know, this film did remarkably well, but the passion came in five days. This was six, almost seven days. That was five days at 139 million dollars at seven dollars a ticket back then you know and and the public spoke out and said this is our film after that happened i couldn't get a job why the film did over a billion dollars worth of business and they were like no no not unless you work on our terms i was given a gift it came from god almighty and it's not my gift it's his uh, that's the difference between me and other artists. I, I didn't give myself the gift, but I'll, I'll put my gift up against anybody in the world because it's his. 
And so I have a responsibility to do my job and, and fight for Americans in films. You know, I was inspired by Jimmy Stewart when I was around Jimmy Stewart. And he told me, Jim, make good movies. And so I did. I made The Thin Red Line. And, and I was moving up the rocket uh, chain right here in this industry with always the intention to inspire people to find moral redemption in stories. And the industry has been hijacked from us the people, American people. And so they're crying out in this, in this film right now. They're watching because this is current. As I said, it, Schindler's List had been made during the time of Auschwitz. It could have prevented a lot of wickedness that would happen under the Nazis and also with the, what happened under the Soviet Union. Their crimes to date are just unprecedented. But it, we have a lot of these things going around right now and that children... There are more slaves right now, of children right now, in this world, than all slavery when it was legal in history. That's what you find out in this film. The film is The Sound of Freedom. I know a lot of you have seen it. A lot more of you will see it. Uh, Jim, thank you so much for being with us here, sharing your story, and uh, we wish you continued luck both in this film and on future films. I would like to thank all Americans, all Americans out there, and uh, I've said this before, um, it, when Ronald Reagan said it many years from his A Time for Choosing, that you and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, but we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. My brothers and sisters, in the words of Reagan, remember, evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. God bless you. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 